What is up, everybody? We are on so many different platforms right now doing this show for you guys that it is fantastic. John, how are you? Uh, John apparently can't hear me, so nope. I got you. I got you. I I I accidentally muted my my speakers. I'm sorry. I that was sorry. That was my all me. That was my bad. My bad on that one. Thanks for joining us for Matt Talk. There you go. Did I miss a beat? No, I mean except for the the there was a weird awkward like pause where you were just like staring at me, but you know it's fine. It's it's fine. Okay. It's fine. It's fine. We did this two parter, guys. Can't wait to talk about it. Uh, John, I've joined the mob. Um, oh, you have. To one day become an enforcer and blackmail okay. people, and I can become rich and famous and then eventually dead. But, you know, up until that point, I could become rich and famous, and that would be amazing. You know, should we tell folks what we planned on doing, but we're concerned about copyright issue? Well, I mean, it's kind of copyright issues, but it's more so issues that uh, we forgot. No, we didn't forget. I knew. Well, I mean, we didn't pull it. Like, we don't have anything to listen. Okay. Now, anyways, we were going to play the great 90s song Informer by Snow, which uh, is a really terrible, terrible rap song that I'm sure most people uh, will remember. And uh, anyways. Uh, I don't think it's we a rap were... song. I'm saying that's more reggae. You really? Okay. Let's, oh God, let's yeah. debate this. Yeah, oh my god, it's definitely reggae. It might not be good reggae, but it's reggae. Now now you're making me want to pull this up and play it uh from YouTube. Yeah, no, it's reggae. It, are you sure? Yeah. Oh my okay, god. I'm yeah. stick, I'm sticking with rap. I I think it's lousy rap, but anyways. Speaking of speaking of of lousy rap, Jason, is there is there, you know, you are a connoisseur of hip hop. Who's maybe a rapper you don't enjoy? That I don't enjoy snow. <laughs> Apparently, <the rapper. laughs> what you're trying to tell me. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we can go there, but I mean, this we, we could be here for days, John. We don't want to be here okay. for days. We want to talk about Matt Talk. And if Justin okay. can pull up uh, Gary's comment, uh, we can address this. Uh, dude, what is up with Nancy Stafford in these episodes? Like, she is not in hardly any season four. I don't know, man. I don't know what the deal is. Um, I mean, we, we just. Uh, what last week we had Julie uh, for the first time in a while we had Julie March and I don't yeah I don't know man I don't know why that uh, uh, Nancy Stafford was using sparingly here uh, Lynn Whitfield though did do a very good job as a matter of fact uh, as we'll we'll talk as we get into the uh, details of this episode yes yeah, she was a bright spot absolutely um, I I thoroughly enjoyed her performance and I don't want to say too much because I'll give too much away but uh, or especially when it comes to my opinion of the episode. But um, yeah, we got a few other comments rolling in. I hear so let's 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 pop those up. Let's see what people got to say. Oh, those are just uh, Justin tearing out the link to the Snow Informer video. But yeah, we're on three different, uh, four different Facebooks today. We're on Instagram. We're on YouTube. We're on Twitch. We're on Twitter. Like we're everywhere. We're spreading the word of Matlock to the entire internet today, and I. John, I'm excited about it. Well, good, because you know what? Um, we enjoy doing this. We love doing Matt Talk. Um, and definitely, we want to thank you very much for checking out the, the show. And if you are somebody that's maybe more geared towards listening, because maybe you, you drive a long distance to work or 
Maybe you do it when you don't want um, maybe your spouse or your significant other to know that you're listening to it, whatever. We have an audio format as well. It comes out the first and third Mondays of every month, much like the second and fourth Mondays is this little video presentation, the video format. And uh, let's get one more comment here before we dive into the... Is Matt Talk so scandalous that people wouldn't want their significant other to know that they were listening to us? Well, <laughs> well, according according to that one person that rated the, the one episode uh, very much too sexy... Maybe, maybe you would have to be on the down low. Maybe you would, you know, oh, honey, I'm just, I'm just listening to Joel Austin or whatever, you know, and, and in reality, you're listening to us. Robert, I have never seen an episode of Diagnosis Murder, but as soon as I finish Columbo, I think I'm going to check it out. And dude, Columbo is an amazing show. It is so good. I like the fact that each season is like eight episodes, but they're all like feature length movie episodes. And I finally made it into the 89 season. So um, I'm man, good, good stuff. Jason, I saw a half of an episode from 1971 of Columbo. It was featuring Leslie Nielsen in a serious yeah. role. Yeah. And I thought of you, man. I thought of it. What did you think of the episode? I thought the episode was good. I thought the episode was very good, actually. Um, I like how Columbo, he, he toys with the people. Like he knows that they did it. But like for the hour and a half, he's kind of playing a game with them to see where they'll mess up. And I, I like that aspect of that show. Yeah, I, I dug it. I liked it. I mean, when I get some more things cleared off the schedule, I might give it a, a viewing. Um, I'm like I said before last week, I'm in the midst of trying to finish a bunch of different series so I can kind of, cause I'm halfway done. I just need to get all the way done so I can move on to something else, you know? So, all right. Uh, do we have, we have another comment from Gary coming in here as Gary says, I know as an actress, she, Nancy Stafford, had a busy schedule had had busy scheduling so she was a conference speaker too Clarence Gilliard former Andy Griffith fan was mostly used with Andy Griffith well Gary that's probably a good reason why she wasn't around but I I, I think oftentimes when she hasn't been in an episode it, it it's missing something it's missing that je ne sais quoi if you will so, or was this episode missing anything? You'll find out very soon. <laughs> All right, should we should we jump into it, man? Should we get ready for our uh, start to the show here, Jason? Yeah, and I, you know what, guys? I think we're going to reach back out to Nancy and see if we can get her to come on the show again so we can kind of talk about season four and kind of what she was doing, why the show was going on, uh, get more insight behind the scenes. She's very forthcoming, and that'd be fun to talk to her about. All right, with that then, let's get ready for our opening statements. All right, as Jason alluded to, this is a two-parter. So we combine both of them into one episode of Matt Talk. The episodes are called The Informer, The Informer Part 1, which aired on February 20th, 1990. And The Informer Part 2 originally aired uh, February 27th, 1990. And uh, Jason... Um, we have quite a few guest stars. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and talk about someone that's already been mentioned. Gary mentioned her name. Let's talk about Lynn Whitfield. Uh, she will be playing the role of Angela Page. And she has a huge resume. So let me just run down some of the highlights. She was Louisa in Jaws the Revenge. If you're like me, that's Jaws 4, the awful one. Well, Am I right? A, yeah. Three, three, John. You're getting three. Huh? I don't know. Three was pretty bad, but four was 
really bad. But I digress. Uh, she also played Josephine Baker in the Josephine Baker story. She was Victoria in Medea's family reunion. Marjorie in the show Mistresses. Mary Walker in How to Get Away with Murder. Uh, Laura Riley in The Rebound. Brandy Webb in A Thin Line Between Love and Hate. And Barbara Lawrence in The Cosby Mysteries. I remember that show being on the air, The Cosby Mystery. <laughs> I do remember. I never watched it, but I do remember that show existing. I just, I had to throw it in there for a smart, smart remark. I was just hoping for a smart alecky remark, but that's okay. I get it. You're playing it safe tonight. All right. So Lynn Whitfield, uh, I, I really, as I said before, I really think she did a great job on this episode. I agree with Gary and, um, Jason, do you have any any comments or anything you want to mention with Miss Whitfield? Uh, no, she, she, you're right. She was very, very good in this episode. I like the chemistry she has with um, Conrad, which we'll get more into that as the episode progresses. All right, well, let's talk about um, one of our main guest stars, a gentleman by the name of Richard Mazur. Uh, he will be playing David O'Malley, which you may also know Richard Mazur from his role as Clark in the John Carpenter movie The Thing. Rutherford in the Tom Cruise vehicle, Risky Business. He was Phil Sultanfuss in My Girl in My Girl 2. Uh, most recently, he was uh, Edward L.L. Moore in Younger, uh, Bill Montgomery in Orange is the New Black, and he has over 140 more uh, roles that we could sit here and talk about, but you can see he's pretty accomplished. Yep. I, he was also in the It miniseries, which is one of my favorite miniseries of the 90s. I I rented that movie so many times from the Meyer video store. Yes, folks, Meyers is a grocery chain in the Northwest, and they also used to rent movies. A lot of grocery stores used to rent movies, but I rented that movie so many times from the Meyer uh, video store that the guy gave me a copy of it. Oh, wow. Well, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trump you. One of the more popular places where I grew up to rent videos from was a tire store. Yeah, that's right. You go in to get four steel belted radials, you could re you could rent a Commando or WWF wrestling tapes. Yep. Mm-hmm. UDF used to rent movies. No, get out of yeah. here. Yep. Really? I rented, uh, dude, my entire life, like I have memories back when I was like two or three that no human being should have, but they all relate to video stores. I remember renting the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe animated movie from a United Dairy Farmer. Wow. And Justin, one free rental with an oil change. You know what? That, that tire shop did do oil changes too. So you are correct, sir. <laughs> I miss those days, man. I guess kind of you go to any place and rent a movie with the red box there. It's not the same though. I mean, I miss podcasting is my way of like kind of recreating the going to the movie theater or the, the video store and talking about whatever it is you're about to rent. But it nothing is the same as that experience. Like it's gone. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and there's so many like when I um I get a, a, a catalog from Critics Choice uh cinema, which is a, a boutique DVD vendor. Man, I look at so many of those titles, and I'm like, I remember seeing that title on V, like Jim Cotta. I'm like, I remember Jim Cotta. It was on the wall at the Snyder Tire and, you know, and whatnot. So, anyways, all right, enough of our trip down memory lane. We have two other guest stars to talk about, Jason. Let's talk about one that probably looked very familiar to many of us. Fans of Matlock would recognize this young lady. Her name is Catherine Cannon. 
She has had five different roles on Matlock besides just this one. Uh, she was also Linda Coolidge in the very first episode, uh, Diary of a Perfect Murder. Uh, she was Dr. Sarah Perlman in The Best Friend, which was season two, episode nine. And uh, she will be, of course, she's in The Informer, parts one and two. And she will also be in a season six, episode three, called The Strangler. She'll be playing the role of Patricia Downey, but she's also probably well known for playing the role of Felice Martin in Beverly Hills 90210 and playing the role of Lieutenant Commander Dottie Dixon in Black Sheep Squadron and about 60 or 70 other, 60 or 70 other uh, credits to her name. Uh, she was also in um, Murder, She Wrote, Columbo. Yes. I'm looking right now to see if she was in an episode of Perry Mason. That is a negative. So no oh, triple oh, back. Uh, that's still, you know, good run of uh, the cop drama scene back then. Absolutely. And our last one that we're going to mention is a gentleman by the name of Robert Gentry. He'll be playing the role as Jim Steinbach. Now, the reason why I put him down is that he doesn't have a lot of entries to his des- to his resume on IMDb, but when he has a show, he's on it for a very long time. He was Ra- Ross Chandler on All My Children for 24 seasons. Wow. He was Dr. Bauer on Guiding Light for about six episodes. Dr. Roger Hunt on Days of Our Lives for several, for almost like 100 episodes. Uh, Jordan Hale, number two, on Generations, and Brad Murphy on The Doctors. So this guy, when he got a role, man, he kept it. He did. <laughs> he did not. Nice. He did not sway from that from that opportunity. Uh, Jason, did you have something else you wanted to mention about Mr. Gentry? Nope. All right. Uh, with that being said, then, Jason, I got John? a question for you. Yeah, I got an answer. Yeah, got, maybe. You mean, maybe you have an answer. We'll find out. We'll find out. Um, I just want to know: Are you ready to give an opinion? Your opinion and solely your opinion, so help you. It's the only one I have on, so let's testify. My great grandma played this on her piano. Well, I'm glad you said that and not said something like this. Sounds like music where you would find a damsel in distress tied to railroad tracks. Or, you know, the guy at the bar that's, like, shooting up the legs while the guy is trying to dance, you could also hear it there. <laughs> dance for me, like in Back to the Future. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know what, though, fans? Let's be honest. That's something That's something Andy Griffith would play on his ukulele. He would play yeah. that song. Yeah, absolutely. All right. The plot of the episode, The Informer. Ben agrees to defend a fellow lawyer who's accused of killing a mobster. But can Ben deal with his constant shenanigans and meddling in the case? Opening scene, we have a large panning shot of a wonderful farm and home, and then a couple in bed. Again, some people are not going to be enjoying this episode. You know, some of those people that did those reviews a few episodes ago, they did not like the sexy stuff. They did not. (laughs) So Sam is startled and all of a sudden pulls a gun from underneath his pillow. Now, if I may, permit me this, Jason. I, I would like your advice, your thoughts, your opinions on this. Is having a gun under your pillow during, you know, fun time, is that a, is that a good idea in your Depends mind? Depends on who you are. Obviously, if you're this guy, it is very important <laughs> to have a gun under your pillow 
for this, as we're going to find out later, one, because of who he's with, and two, because of what he does for a living. So he's got more than one reason to keep a gun nearby at all times. Okay, so schlubs like us, maybe not so much. Yeah. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> I love how he has to tell the woman that's in bed with him, which we'll find out who that is in a few minutes, that it's a three fifty seven Magnum and it would just blow a hole in you like so big that like, you know, a cat could jump through that, through that hole or whatever. I don't remember what he said, but I was like, man, this is ridiculous. The lady tells Sam that he's due in court. And so we cut to a scene where O'Malley, uh, David O'Malley is now answering questions to the press. He's kind of making his way through the hallway and we end up in the courtroom where O'Malley is grilling a witness on the stand. You know what, man? I got to just, from the very beginning of this episode, I noticed one thing. And that, you know, we've, we've said this from the beginning that season four just feels different ever since Andy Griffith took over as script supervisor. And this is just, this intro, this introduction, getting to know these characters and time with them. It's just more of that quality progressing into this episode. And I'm not going to give away the rest of the episode, but at this point, I'm thinking in my head, like, okay, okay, we're getting more of this set up, and it's it's fantastic. Like, even my uh, girlfriend who watched it with me, she's like, you know, where, where's Matlock? And I said, that's because they're setting up the story. Like, they're actually giving us time to get to know these characters before one of them is murdered and something awful happens. Like, we kind of get to see, you know, who the characters are at the time, and this episode is more of that, and I, I love it. Yeah, and, and I definitely got to say that I think that there is no possible way they could have combined and made this just one episode. They had to expand out, make it two episodes, because I think it was just the perfect story, the perfect tale. The, everything about it was made for a two-parter, and I'm glad that they did it that way. Okay, I, I got to laugh because O'Malley certainly has a little bit of Matlock in him because he was like, hey, everybody, uh, pretend you're in a singles bar. Yeah, go ahead, talk among yourselves. Go ahead, talk, talk, talk. You know what, what? I can't hear you. Come on, talk a little louder. Proving that, indeed, the man on the stand, who was uh, Jack, uh, we'll talk more about him in a little bit, and he was like, I can't hear what you're saying. Basically, the jury, because of that, and probably some other shrewdness from O'Malley, found Sam not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. <laughs> And we also find out here that this is when we discover that the young lady who needed a quick lesson in the ins and outs of a 357 Magnum is indeed O'Malley's wife. Yep, that's what I'm saying, man, because, you know, he's got another, he's got a reason. He's got a reason. He does. I think we have a comment from our friend, Daniel Snow. Where is that at? Just, one of the best episodes. Just watched him for the first time a month or so ago. Awesome Glad you enjoyed it. Yes, Murder 2, great episode. <laughs> I'm not sure what that refers to. But, all right. Uh, if you wish to clarify, Daniel, please do. I'm not sure what you meant by that. But So, so far, we're off and running at, like, you know, 300 miles an hour. Uh, so, getting back to the show. O'Malley goes to Sam's home one evening. I think it's probably that later that evening. And he finds his wife. There, she answers the door. This is awkward, wouldn't you say, Jason? It is very awkward, John. <laughs> well, O'Malley squeezes some information out of her, literally and figuratively, 
And she mentions that Sam is at Todd's Grill. Um, so we go back to uh, a, a meeting with Sam as he and his goons are plotting. And his goons, by the way, will be Al, Bobby, and Jim. I may just refer to them as the goons. The curly mo. <laughs> the Stooges, yes. <laughs> well, I'm going to go with goons. Uh, O'Malley shows up. And a fight happens because, of course, that's what you do when you find out that your wife is involved with a fellow mobster. Have any comments there, Jason, uh, Justin, that we wanted to touch base on there? Oh, okay. I was replying to Robert's comment about diagnosis murder parents of Ben Matlock. I can see how that looked odd. LOL. Okay. All right. Gotcha. All right. I was totally confused by that, but thank you for clarifying. Appreciate that. So then we go to a, uh, a scene where maintenance arrives at O'Malley's office, uh, and this woman ransacks the office. She finds a gun that's in the uh, desk drawer, and she leaves. So, Jason, we cut to another scene of that wonderful and beautiful uh, horse farm. Uh, Sam is off riding his steed, and he stops to get some water. Get some water for the horse. And lo and behold, he sees somebody. He's like, hey, hey, what are you doing here? Hey, hey, what are you doing here? Pow, pow. He is shot and killed on the premises. Well, how did that guy know he was going to stop there? That's a good point. <laughs> I just thought of that just now. I was like, that's, that's just convenient that he happened to stop where you were uh, staking him out. Yeah, because he would have had to follow him, like be like up, up the, like I'm assuming the trail's here. So up here might be another like ridge where you would sneak along there, they would have to be because you're right. Like that just seems to be like a needle in the haystack type of deal. Good point, Jason. Very good point. Franz Ferdinand level lock. (laughs) All right, folks, getting a little world history in here. Thank you, Justin. Um, (laughs) Okay, so then we cut to a scene that's at the police headquarters. Uh, Ben is chatting with O'Malley. And I like that Ben is up on pop culture. He's like, oh. Taking on Sam is like taking on Mike Tyson. Ooh, look at Ben. He knows pop culture. Look at him. Look at well, him. I, mean, I don't think you could. I mean, even if you were in a coma when Mike Tyson was around, you knew who Mike Tyson was. Like, if you were in a coma for the whole duration of whatever Mike Tyson was back then, like, you still know who he was. Yeah, I'm sure of it. I'm sure he was probably um, very much so in the forefront of everyone's mind. But anyways, so O'Malley uh, was a client, or had Sam as a client, I should say, and he thinks that he is framed. And he's like, look, Ben, you got to get me out of here, man. You got to get me out of here. I'm, I'm willing to pay you what our, what my payment is. I'm sure it's very equal. I'll pay you what you want. And Ben goes, well, what do you get? And he's like, I get 125K plus expensive expenses. And, and, and Ben once 150 because as we know ladies and gentlemen as we've said many many times cash rules everything around that it does and what's funny is um i thought as a mob lawyer that the dude should be making more than 125 like i understand that 125 is good from back then but we saw what this dude just did in court like he's obviously really good at getting these mobsters that should be guilty off. I feel like his fee should be more. 
I agree with that. And by the way, Daniel, thank you for your comment too. I'm sure that those two, Max Bear and Rocky Marciano, are probably the the only boxers Ben would really be familiar with. But uh, I digress. Or Jack O'Halloran. <laughs> you know what, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, one of the big rules whenever you do podcasting is that you're never supposed to throw out inside jokes. But damn it, that was funny, Jason. Thank you very much for that. That was that was good. I needed that. Well, guys, Thank like you. if you uh, if you want to know more about Jack O'Halloran, and jump on the Three Geeks podcast channel and check out our interview with him. So Ben and O'Malley go back to O'Malley's office, and he's got a huge team. He's got like everybody. He's called in everybody, everybody from New York City and Los Angeles. In Detroit, Chicago, and Uganda. He's got them all there. He's got them all there working on the case. And Ben gets a little bit miffed about that. I mean, at least I thought he was a little bit upset about that. What do you think, Jason? Was Did you take that away, or did you feel like he was nonchalant? No, he was annoyed. He was annoyed. All right. And so basically, Ben's like, look, if I'm going to represent you, you got to let me do it. you got to let me do it, okay? These people here, they, they can go home. They don't need to be here. And so – O'Malley sends them all home. It's the start of whiny Ben, which we get a few instances of that in this episode. We do. We do get some whiny Ben. We do. I love uh, whiny ben, ben. Do you wait? Do you love whiny Ben more than angry Ben? Because we're going to get that too. Well, whiny Ben leads to angry Ben. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you can't have one without the other. It always happens. Like he gets whiny, then he gets angry, then he gets whiny, then he gets angry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he goes from normal to whiny to angry. Because whiny is just him trying to keep it in and be nice. Okay. Okay. But but angry Ben is the volcanic explosion. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Ben has to ask about, about Mrs. O'Malley. And David O'Malley refuses to to kind of do anything. Like he he gives this big explanation that he, you know, he wants to leave her, but he loves her. And, you know, he knows that she was sleeping around, yada, 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 the whole kind of I want you in my life. I don't want you in the life type of relationship, if you will. And so I love that there's three pieces of advice Ben gives David O'Malley. Folks, we want to write these down. Watch your temper. Stay in town. No drinking. Sound advice from Ben. If you leave town, you look guilty. If you're drinking, you're going to lose your temper. Sounds like a good plan if you ask me. Well, we go back to the goons. Uh, breaking into Sam's house, and they're looking for the, some tape, all right, some tape, and they do find it, all right, and then that leads to the very next scene of Conrad arriving at Sam's house, and he runs into Detective Cox, and I gotta say, if there was maybe one flaw with this episode, I really couldn't, uh, I wouldn't trust Dr. Cox, the Dr. Cox, excuse me, Detective Cox, any farther than I could throw him. And he was a rotund fellow, so I probably can't throw him very far. Dude, you just had me so confused because I've been watching Scrubs for the first time, and uh, Dr. Cox is one of the doctors there. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> Did I miss a crossover between Matlock and Scrubs? Yeah, I know. Uh, Lieutenant. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Ben interviews Bobby at a local establishment, a bar. And Ben brings up, hey, 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 wasn't Sam kind of – fooling around with your sister and that doesn't make bobby very happy because you know nobody likes to have those type of accusations thrown at at you you know hey your your sister gets around you know what i'm saying 
Uh, Bobby gets really upset and he ends up ordering Ben to get thrown out, but Ben walks out on his own volition or on his own, uh, uh, by his own way. So then we cut to a train station. By the way, interesting fact, I found this bit of trivia. Uh, This train station is actually in Burbank, California. It is not in Atlanta, Georgia. Just throwing it out there real quick. It was shot on a, a back lot in the studio, I'm sure. One moment, Justin, we'll get to that comment here. But basically, Ben takes pics of one of the goons, Al, and his kids. And Jason Al is a changed man. He's not into any more of that 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 thuggery and all that jazz. Nope, nope, nope. And he's still pals with the guys, but he's not he's not involved in crime. Yep. And Ben goes, well, it's really funny because Sam cut you out of a deal for a casino up north. And, you know, hey, that might be a reason why you would want to off him. And Al says, no, 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 no. Me and the wife, our alibi is this. We were trying to get kid number three. Again, I love that in Matlock that making love to somebody is an alibi. I don't think that's how it would work in the real world. Well, I mean (laughs) – if somebody's there to cooperate it, so maybe that could kind of work, but um, it's not going to be the um, the easiest alibi to uh, make to break. Money. Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. All right, let's get let's get some comments here. We got a bunch coming in. Scrubs is hilarious. Yes, Daniel Snow. We we agree. Big time fan, especially Sarah Chalk. I was a bit. I had a big crush on Sarah Chalk. All right. So any others, Justin? Uh, nope. Good. All right. Cool. The rest are regrets. Oh, share requests. I thought they were regrets. <laughs> oh my God. It's called reading folks. Top to bottom, left to right. <laughs> well, you never know with this show. There might be regrets. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, Conrad is on a stakeout and uh, it's outside this bar and he notices Angela Page who ends up working for O'Malley. And so we have not one, but two investigators on this on this case, Jason. And there's a lot of playful flirting going on between the two, which was which was great. I, I thought it was a, a neat little side story in this episode. This is uh, something that annoys me with um, shows from the 80s and 90s that are like this, because there's no continuity as far as continuing that storyline future, because we know she's only in these two episodes. And that sucks, because I, I would have liked to have seen that kind of carry on yeah i think I, I get what you're saying yeah it always seemed to be like one and done you know and then and then you know conrad's off to another adventure with meeting another person etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah i can get i can get behind that definitely well angela says that o'malley has dismissed the team uh, but she is sticking around but she doesn't need o'malley knowing because if he knows he's going to get mad and maybe fire her so uh conrad ends up following Bobby to a stereotypical alley. And the background music for this was hilarious because it was like really cheesy 80s, like crime music, you know, the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, you know, like the the very jarring in-your-face music. I liked it. And, oh, poor Conrad gets KO'd by Bobby as he's distracted by some other scumbag. And so uh, we go to another scene where Ben wants to discuss O'Malley, um, well, excuse me, wanted to discuss O'Malley with Mrs. O'Malley. Excuse me, I can't even read my own my own notes, but she refuses. And so then Ben interviews Jim, and we find out that Jim, very successful man, businessman, one of the goons, 
uh, that his father was killed by Sam. So that would be his motive for killing Sam. Then we go to a scene where um, Jack uh, is going to leave um, his girlfriend, Vicky, or significant other, right? She's very worried about Jack, but Jack talks to her and is like, hey, 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 look, you know, I got to go away for a little while, be no big deal, smooth things over, et cetera, et cetera. And Bobby then shows up. So uh, Conrad arrives and he, he manages to confer with Angela. And it's inferred here that as we cut to the next scene, that Bobby has slapped around Vicky. And he's t- he tells her if Jack doesn't call, he's going to come back and bad things are going to happen. Um, and then we get to a, uh, a scene where Conrad knocks on the door. He's trying to talk to Vicky. And look at Angela swooping in with that understanding like, oh honey, let's go get some ice on that eye. You know, look at that. All right. So Jason, let's, let's, let's hear your side of the, uh, your opinion of things. I know we've discussed a lot here in the last couple of minutes, anything uh, about Bobby, about Vicky, Angela and Conrad, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Like I said, I'm really, uh, I'm still loving this. Again, we are kind of seeing people interact. We're seeing characters being developed and, um, I just love this in this episode. It's one of the reasons like, I keep bringing up Columbo because each episode I said was an hour and 30 minutes. And I really wish Matt Talk, Matlock had done more two-parters, and this is a great two-parter so far. Well, you know what? Let's let people know where they can get in touch with us if they have a comment about whether they like this episode, didn't like this episode, whether they like Columbo, they don't like a Columbo, whether they know who Snow is or not. And Jason, how can they get in touch with us via email? Daniel or the reggae singer first guys if you're watching live you can comment right down below hit that like button also we're on audio so if you can rate review all that fun stuff but um also b-e-n-m-a-t-t-a-l-k at gmail.com is the best way to email us and say hi and of course you can find us on facebook at matt talk uh, podcast it's uh it's the place to be for all of the news and whatnot for this podcast and we do appreciate all the folks who like our posts, who forward our posts, who, who interact with us, we do really appreciate it. So keep doing that, if you will. And uh, let's get back to it, shall we? Because we go to Ben's office. O'Malley's in there, and he's rummaging through his desk and all the stuff. And, man, that does not make Ben very happy, does it? No. No. In fact, I think he gives a little bit of a talking to to O'Malley about who's in charge and who's running the show, even though they may have different methods. Uh, we do find out, though, that there's Jack Rinaldi is very important. He's a key to the case. Basically, we need to figure out why he is involved in this bigger scheme of things. And so we cut to a scene in a sauna where Jim talks to a stranger. We don't know who that stranger is. He's like, hey, listen, Rinaldi's got to go. All right. And then what do we know? We find out later on that it's De- Detective Cox. It is. That's who he's talking to in that sauna. And so we cut to Ben playing with the band at Ray Templin's bar. Why? Why not? On, right. Let's go back to that shower scene real quick. Because yeah. I had a comment when I was watching this with uh, Deanna. And I was and the way that he was staring that dude down in the shower Guys, if any dude ever looks at me in the shower like that, I'm I'm leaving. It's very uncomfortable. Like I was uncomfortable sitting on my couch with the way he was staring him down. Like, n- no, <laughs> it's just no. Like, wait, wait okay, time out. 
<laughs> I, I think, <laughs> I'm sorry. So how many times have you been in a shower where dudes are staring you down? Exactly. Exactly, John. <laughs> exactly. This dude was None. sitting on the bench while this other guy showered. One, is creepy. A little creepy. Two, like, no, I, I leave the shower. Like, dude, you could talk to me when I have my clothes back on. Because it'd be one thing if you were showering next to him, not staring at him. They were just having chit-chat. But dude was just like this. Talking about, this is not a shower. You keep saying shower. It was a sauna. So it was totally different. It was therapeutic. It's not oh, it weird. Like it's therapeutic. It looked like he was showering. Look, I'll... <laughs> anyway, you don't need to stare at me in my eyes like that if we're just acquaintances. Jason, have you ever joined a gym? Yeah. Okay. Did you have the one guy that liked being naked way too much in the locker room? Because there's always one of those in a there's gym. always that guy, but nobody was staring at him, like, <laughs> constantly talking to him, like, hey, John, I need you to do this for me. Do you understand? No, no, no. <laughs> okay. Well, we've learned something about you. Okay. All right. You, you want to? No, no, I'm not going to. You do? Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. Because look, look. Can I, okay. Look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna side with you on this one. It would be very uncomfortable. Can I? Can I share one of the most disturbing scenes I've ever seen in a in a film? All right, in a, in an American film, is Eastern Promises, where Viggo Mortensen has to fight that Russian dude and he's naked, because they they try to kill him in a sauna, and and he has to fight him naked, and that weirded me out, still to this day, because naked fighting a giant Russian dude swinging a knife, that's got that's got a that's got a disaster written all over it, man. Anyways, all right, getting back on track. No more shower talk or sauna talk because it has gone sideways quickly we find out from ben as they're at ray templin's that um because o'malley shows up that his wife is going to testify and so that that gets him all flustered all right so detective cox is on the stand he says that indeed the gun that was found in the scene of the crime is the same gun that david o'malley has and now mrs o'malley aka susan she's on the stand and she paints David as a jealous and violent man, that they had lots and lots of arguments and lots of fights. And Ben brings up the fact that this is not true, that maybe you had some arguments, but they were never violent because David knew about your philandering. He knew about you sleeping around. And as a matter of fact, you've slept around with more than just Sam. And you always were forgiven by david so that this this violent incredible hulk-like character doesn't exist in fact the maid surely i believe is her name the maid will testify to the fact that this environment you're 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 spinning this this tale susan is not correct but then all of a sudden ben says i need a recess i thought that was alarming and it ended right before commercial break so it had me on the edge of my seat jason what about you yeah we find out Shirley, the maid, was fired by Susan six months ago. And that Shirley has actually been paid some money from David O'Malley to lie on the stand because of her broken foot. Her broken foot, like, had just happened a few weeks ago. And so there would be no way that Susan would know that she had a broken foot, et cetera, et cetera. Like, so the, the broken foot kind of gave away the fact that something's gone on here. Yep. Ben confronts O'Malley. 
this is now this is where he gets a little hot if i remember correctly they argue about his meddling you've contaminated the case you've bribed susan with a divorce that's why she decided to go in with you on this on this scam you've paid off the maid you know you should tell you should give me one good reason why i should just drop you and guess what david o'malley drops hey ben you're just like me you bend the rules sometimes too in your face ben how about a little taste of your own medicine jason not like that not like this no not like that not like this not all this not all this he says it like three or four times yep but yep. he's not yeah he's never done like he's never done anything shady ben He's never paid anybody to testify on the stand. Okay, lie. no, but he has done. He has he has swiped people's clothing from the laundromat and then preserved it as evidence, which I again don't know if that is uh, technically legal. We've talked about that. There's some shade. Yeah, I'm, there, I'm not saying there's not. I'm saying he's never done anything. It's illegal to bribe witnesses. Okay. Uh, yes. Okay. Okay. All right. I'll give you that. So uh, we go to Ben's office, and Ben gets a phone call uh, from supposedly Jack Rinaldi. And so Ben and Conrad, they uh, they go to meet Jack Rinaldi in an alleyway. Which, by the way, this this looked like such a backlot set. Like this this whole the whole buildings and everything. I was like, this is clearly on Universal's or Paramount or whoever set this is because this does not look at all legitimate. Uh, but anyways, there's a man standing in front of a kind of a dumpster and Ben gets out of the car and goes, hey, hey, you, hey, you. And that guy runs into a building and then kaboom, the building explodes and we fade to black for part one of the informant. Jason, any thoughts? Um, yeah, it wasn't so much a cliffhanger, though. Like we knew Ben and Conrad were safe. Like they were yeah. far enough away. <laughs> yeah, right. Which I, I thought it was kind of um, funny. Like so. In part two, we have the same opening scene and we see like Ben with like some bat bandages on his eye. Like I'm like, eh, some scrapes and that, but I don't think you'd be that disheveled. But nonetheless, the, the bomb was intended for Conrad and Ben. And so Ben and uh, Conrad, they talk a little bit about who could have maybe done it. And they all boils back to the three goons. So next we go to the funeral and Vicky tells Bobby that Jack wants money. Uh, in his account, or the cops are going to get the tape. And we still don't know at this point what's on the tape. All right. We still don't know. It certainly wasn't a, uh, a, a playlist that maybe uh, Conrad taped off the uh, the stereo to give to Angela. I Have been you funny. ever done that? Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh well, my God. You, yeah. It would probably be CDs. You burned a CD, right? Oh, I know. Man, I was in tape age. Okay. All right. I, I mean, uh, CD burning become a thing until I was in high school. Okay. All right. And I would say, man, I'd spend hours burning one CD because remember, you had to upload it into a file, then you had to convert the file, and you had to burn the CD. And you had to find a friend who had a CD burner that was willing to let you come over for six hours so you could make a 45 minute CD. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember CD. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, tape, tapes, man, I used to make mixtapes all the time. I had a whole series. Oh, nice. Did they have great names? They had great titles, didn't they? Oh my god, I'm sure they did. <laughs> hey, speaking of great, let's talk about how great Bobby is dressed at the funeral. The man is rocking a full black suit, and not only that, he's got a black leather trench coat over top 
of his suit. All right. <laughs> nice one, Justin. Um, <laughs> and no, folks, it's inappropriate. We're not going to share that over the air. <laughs> we know that our audience appreciates our PG rating, and we're going to keep it a PG rating. Justin's comment there was a little X-rated. Anyway, our rating is, but uh, yeah, I'm not good. Yes. Uh, anywho, outside the funeral, Ben confronts the goons about the bombing, and now it's angry Ben. Ben smash! Ah! He wasn't whiny before that, Jason. That's why I think at times we could skip whiny Ben and go straight to angry Ben. He's furious. He he absolutely is. All right, so. Outside the funeral, uh, Conrad runs into Angela again, so he goes and chats with her, and there's a little more little more flirting, and Ben comes by and says, hey, I'm going to be over at the office. I'm going to go to O'Malley's office. Okay, we'll come to blah, 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 blah. So when we get to O'Malley's office, uh, everyone shares their info. They're kind of, you know, throwing together their different theories, and O'Malley gets very upset and fires Angela. Or does he? Spoiler alert, John. Jeez. <laughs> Conrad I thought she was really fired. Like I thought she was fired in that moment. They tricked me. I the same here. Same here. I'm just I'm just being facetious because I know how it turns out. So Conrad attempts to smooth things over with AP, and there's a lot more romantic tension there, which I which I enjoy. I dig. Then we get a uh, some chicanery here from old Conrad, which I kind of dug. Flowers are delivered to Vicky at her business. And the card is from Jack. And so what Vicky doesn't know is she goes to call Jack. The phone's tapped. Conrad's in the back of the building, jotting down information like where the phone number is going to and all that jazz. And so he gets the, the phone number, and then he can obviously kind of work backwards. Kind of. Conrad gets in the cab. And I mentioned this because I have never thought about this all season long. Doesn't Conrad's car give him away? No, I mean, think about it. It's a 65 Mustang, bright-ass red, convertible, like, in 1990. <laughs> in 1990, there weren't too many of those on the road. So wouldn't that give it, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he'd be better off driving Ben's car, which, honestly, everybody, Ben's car is more nostalgic for me than what Conrad is driving because I knew people who had cars like Ben's back then, yeah. little cigarette uh ashtrays and the seats like behind the seats and in the doors you remember the cigarettes in the doors john yeah yeah i do i do but you're right like he would stick out like a sore thumb worse than tyler's ride because at least tyler's ride was of the current age where this is this is a a car from 30 years ago you know what i mean or almost 30 years ago it's like come on man that sticks out like a sore thumb yeah yeah but anyways yeah yeah i mean so Conrad does see Detective Cox waiting outside of Vicky's building for someone. And so we go back to Ben's office. Conrad thinks Jack Rinaldi's in Jacksonville. Conrad manages to scheme some information from Jack's credit card company and indeed can uh, solidify the fact that he is in Jacksonville. So off goes Conrad. He's off to Jacksonville. And he, when he gets there, he dresses up as a gas meter guy. And he goes to Jack's hideout and Conrad weasels his way into the home only to get KO'd for the second time. Come on, put him up. You know, I don't know much about boxing, but you're supposed to protect yourself. Come on. 
Although I know what you're going to say, Jason, those are both sucker punches and it's hard to, to protect yourself from those when you don't know they're coming. Yeah. Yeah. So Jack and the goon kind of interview just some random goon interview Conrad. And while he's doing that back in Atlanta, Ben is interviewing detective Cox and the detective has a condo out West. Uh, Cause he likes to ski. Wonder mm-hmm. where he got the cash for that. Huh? Hmm. So Conrad tries to talk some sense into Jack. Come on back to Atlanta, man. Come on. I can get you in witness protection. There's a knock at the door. Angela shows up with a pizza, being a pizza delivery girl. And uh, there's no pizza in the box. There's a 38 special. And so she pulls it out. And there's a dilemma as to whether to take Jack back to Atlanta or not. But what do you know? Some of Bobby's goons are approaching. And so Jack ends up, sure, I'll go back with uh, with you guys to the ATO. I thought so. this was planned. I thought Conrad planned her coming because why in a million years would Conrad go to this place by himself without a backup plan? So when she showed up, I thought it was part of Conrad's plan. Like if I'm not back in 10 minutes, come to the door, do this, bring me an extra gun and let's do our thing. But it wasn't. She just happened to follow him. Conrad She's had not- no backup plan. Yeah, right. Which, which again, that, that was a strange a strange idea well we find out that bobby and the rest of the goons want the tape that jack has and he doesn't really know what's on it but he just knows he has it and he was going to hold it over their heads hopefully to make money and whatnot so we go to the courtroom where bob brooks stops ben in the hallway and says hey look uh, i did some investigating and it seems um that detective cox is in the pocket of sam and the rest of the goons all right we find out the detective Cox is getting Jack from Conrad and Angela because Angela and Conrad don't know the deal. They don't know the truth about detective Cox. And so they're supposed to meet at some deserted road. So here we go. Conrad and Angela, they, they meet at the drop spot for, for Jack Rinaldi. And just at the final moment, uh, Ben and Bob show up with the cops. Detective Cox holds Jack hostage. He's whistle, he wiggles his way out of his grasp. There's a shootout. And it ends up with Detective Cox and Jack Rinaldi, D-O-A, dead. I didn't see this coming. Did you, Jason? No. I mean, we've never had this much violence in a Matlock episode. I agree. Absolutely. There's bodies everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. So we go to a scene where Bob, Angela, Conrad, and Ben, they listen to the tape. And the tape is all about a meeting that Sam and his goons had where they plotted the death of a Teamsters union. I believe his name was Ron Carpenter, I believe. And so the tape implicates them all. And we also find out O'Malley never actually fired Angela. She, she followed her, her assignment was to follow Conrad to see what he could uncover, if you will. And now this is some great stuff here. We go to a, a several scenes that take place at Todd's grill and Bobby chats with David O'Malley. They talk about the tape. O'Malley tells Bobby that Al is talking to Brooks and that Jack has been arrested when none of that is true. Then we fade into another scene where O'Malley is uh, doing the same thing. He's talking to Al and he's, he's explaining, look, Jim is going to, going to turn you in and Bobby's going to turn you in. And then, Oh, excuse me. Actually, Jim falls for the same scam. And then Al, excuse me. I had my notes mixed up. I thought um, he was doing this with Ben. Like I thought that he was doing this in 
uh, partnership with Ben, even when Ben shows up, I, I thought the same thing. I thought, okay, yeah, Ben's coming out to help confront this guy. And then it doesn't end up. Uh... I thought Ben was going to have some witty Southern saying to, to, to quit whip out there when he entered the room. I did too. Um, but it turns out that no, um, you know, basically O'Malley's going rogue and doing this himself. Um, in fact, I like that Ben said that if you don't tell me the next time that you are, you know, going to do something, I'll deck you. I thought that was pretty good. Great line. But Ben's theory is simply this. They needed to kill Jack Rinaldi, but couldn't kill him because if they did, that would implicate Sam. And so the best way to get their hands on the tape and to get rid of Rinaldi was to kill Sam first and then get Rinaldi and then get the tape. So we go to the courtroom. Bobby is on the stand as Ben questions him. They bring up the whole thing about Sam and Bobby's sister. He talked about how Bobby was getting a piece of all the action that Sam was doing. That it got to a point where Sam was so making so much money, he really didn't need Bobby anymore. And so that's why there was this like a little bit of a tension between the two. I did appreciate that Bobby pled the fifth on a couple of questions. Again, I'm glad we're seeing that now in season four. And Sam didn't want Jack whacked due to the blowback that might fall on him, which we already talked about. And Bobby's alibi is shredded because he claims, again, he was in bed with his girlfriend, but then produces a speeding ticket saying, "Mm, no, she was held up by the police. So where were you? And Bobby says, fine. I was with Pedro Cruz that morning. And boy, does that blow Ben's mind, doesn't it? Yeah, man. I mean, he admits to a crime. It's not the one Ben was hoping he'd admit to. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I just, I, I would have thought that like, maybe I'm just jaded, but maybe when you've been doing it so long, that Ben would be like, well, of course, two criminals hanging out together. You know what I mean? Like it just, it just. But he was <gasps> a yeah. drug dealer, Pedro Cruz, blasphemy. <laughs> All right. So once again, Ben and Conrad are listening to the tape at Ben's office, and he says, I got it. It's a clue. It's not what's on this tape. It's what's not on this tape. And so we go back to the courtroom, and Al is on the stand being questioned by Ben. Bobby and Jim were blackmailed by Jack, but Al was not being blackmailed. In fact, hey, Al, you're not even at this meeting, the Carpenter meeting. So we got to ask, who made this tape? Was it you? And then, by the way... Had the tape analyzed, says Ben. And guess what? The tape's been edited. Your voice ain't on that tape. So it's a little bit of a uh, a Watergate type of situation, if you will. Oh, yeah. Scandalous. Scandalous indeed. So Ben starts going back through and says, Al, I think you edited this tape, man. Because, you know, way back, you and your dad were trying to be the criminal overlords here in Atlanta. And your father's car blew up. And you held Bobby and Sam or Jim responsible for it. So Al gave the tape to Jack, who was going to blackmail the others. And Al waited. He waited for a very long time to get his revenge by killing Sam. That's all great, but that's hearsay, right? Right, Jason? We know that. You got to have some proof, right? Yep. Matlock's got some proof. Al wears a medical ID bracelet. And... The autopsy says that Sam broke one of his fingers before his uh, for his death. And so Ben said, do you always wear that bracelet? And Al said, yes. And Ben says, really? Even the day that I took pictures of you down at the, the train station? Oh, I didn't have it on that day. Why not? I must have forgotten it. Well, 
here's the pictures uh, of you and your kids. And guess what? There's no bracelet. And I actually have a man who walked into the back of the courtroom. I think his name was Vincent. He's going to testify that he fixed your medical ID bracelet, that it was probably broken during the struggle between Sam and you with his, with his broken finger, he flipped off the, uh, the, the, the latch. All right. No, not flipped off middle finger, but you get what I mean. He unbuckled it and it fell off. And that Ben says, you know what? There may be a future investigation to prove that you did it out. But for right now, there's the burden of proof to say that David O'Malley did not kill Sam. O'Malley's found not guilty. We have a lot of photo ops in the hallway of the courtroom for Ben and O'Malley. And so Ben asks AP, AP, <laughs> that's the interesting, <laughs> ask Angela. AP is the uh, abbreviation I have in my notes. Anyways, Conrad, Angela are asked by Ben to go to Ray Templin's and more romantic tension with Conrad and Angela. And that, my friends, is the episode, The Informer. Jason, do you have any other uh, notes or anything you want to run down real quick? I don't, John. Then it's time for us to get into our closing statement. This is the part of the podcast where John and I were right to show on a gavel system. One gavel means we hated it. Five gavels means we loved it. Negative 20 gavels means that we are moving to Japan, becoming monks, and giving up a life of intercourse. John, what do you rate this episode on a gavel system? Okay, I'm just going to I'm gonna interrupt for a minute and just say that um, I will go to Japan if we go to – there's a place that I just watched on Journeys in Japan today, this morning. It's called Morioka. It's like two hours north of, of, of Tokyo. It's about the size of Cincinnati. It's a beautiful, beautiful city. It's very modern, but it's also got a lot of nature around it. It's beautiful. You should you should look it up. Morioka, Japan. So if we're going there, I'll go. Uh, Justin, there are uh, monk soldiers in Japan. I had to Google it because of my um, dumbness and naiveness. I was like, wait, are there monks in Japan? Uh, are they bulletproof monks? <laughs> nice okay all right let's get to the rating all right let's get to the rating jason i gave this a five i really like this episode this was a real strong episode uh great acting especially from richard Mazur. i i thought the plot was very good i liked the uh the the tension between conrad and angela the twists and turns like you said it's been a violent episode i never expected cox or rinaldi to get shot um and also, you know, Bobby slapping around Vicky was inferred. I really liked it. Um, my only negatives. At first, the bombing was a little bit confusing when it happened because I'm like, who is that dude? Because that's not Jack Rinaldi. Like, it was very confusing. I know it got smoothed out at the end. But um, but that and then I also put down as a negative that Conrad gets KO'd not once, but twice. I will rate this show at a four and a half. It was a very, very good episode. I'm very stingy with my fives. Uh, it was, yeah, it was really well done. I like the fact that, again, like I've been saying this whole episode, that we are getting more developed. Oh, wait a minute. Jason, I think we lost you for a minute. Uh-oh. I think we may have lost Jason, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not sure. Yep, he's frozen. Well, Anyways, we got the Jason uh, is going to uh, maybe join us back here in a minute. Wait a minute. Here he comes. He's coming back. I'm back. Don't call, don't call it a comeback. 
He's I've been, been here, here for years, years rocking I his beard, putting suckers in fear. Anyways, where did you lose me? Um, we lost you when you were talking about that. You really thought it was a very strong episode. Uh, you'd already given a four and a half because you're stingy with your um. Uh, okay, fives. So I like that we're spending time with these people. We're getting to know the suspects and so forth ahead of time before we get into the episode, as opposed to some of the earlier seasons where we just had suspects and they came out of nowhere. And then at the end, it's like, oh, my God, this guy did it. But um, I like the fact that that is becoming a trend with this episode. I like Andy Griffith as the script supervisor. I, I Good episode. Very, very, very strong episode. There was a point in the second parter where I felt it just feel it starting to feel a little long. But um, that's my biggest negative is that it started to feel a little long towards the end. But other than that, pretty solid episode. All right. Well, let's talk about some podcasting projects that you and I are involved with uh, before we maybe lose you or me. Who knows? Um, it's Internet Gremlins, folks. Um, what's going on with Three Geeks Podcast, man? Dude, we we're back. Man, are we back? Yesterday we did an episode. For our, we do we, our episodes are normally an hour. We haven't spoken to each other in so long, and so we went two hours. I apologize to anybody that was on the show last night that needed to leave at the clock. We just we didn't get there, but um, it was fun. We're back. Check out the audio feed. It's all updated. Um, over the break, we did release an interview with um, Fred, who uh, wrote a book. It was a very, very fascinating book. Fred's a funny guy, um, very funny guy, and um, also... Uh, Claudia Wells shared a very cool story and something really cool happens on the episode. She's from Back to the Future. She played Jennifer Parker, so check those out. Yeah, Fred Carroll is the author that you were talking about, right? Mm -hmm. yep. Okay, definitely check out Fred's stuff. He's He's got some cool stuff going on. Uh, PVD Cast is, of course, my, uh, my own personal podcasting project. Uh, right now, I sat down last week and spoke to Anthony D. Stokes for the second time. He was on in July. He's back again talk about the second issue of his pro wrestling comic tap or die uh we talk about that we talk about uh, his other projects um kickstarter fundings all that time <laughs> all the all those things that uh a, a, an individual that's producing a comic book has to deal with and so uh yeah definitely check it out pvdcast.com or wherever you find great quality podcasts dude anthony stokes is fantastic we've interviewed him twice as well i hope we get to interview him a third time Justin yeah. interviewed him once. I interviewed him the second time, but what a great guy. Yeah, he's a good dude, man. In fact, you know, I'm, I'm going to reveal a little bit, and maybe this piques some interest. He talks about gatekeeping in comics. And I don't mean like Marvel and DC. I mean like at the independent level, how like some people get really, really like pretentious about, you know, oh, you should do that. You can't do that because of X, Y, and Z, you know, which is really kind of blew my mind. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I guess it's that old adage, there's always a few rotten apples to spoil the bunch, you know? Oh, that's a that's an Andy Griffith saying. I think we need to end on that. All right, so. <laughs> All right, Jason, anything else real quick? Um, No. All right. Then as they say in court, nothing further. <laughs>